Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales, the sheep extension network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Traditional annual legumes such as subclover and medic are sown from autumn through to early winter in mixed farming systems. They generally have a shallow root system leading to early seedling mortality They tend to be susceptible to early false breaks in summer and early autumn and unreliable spring rainfall. Sowing also coincides with a demand on labour for winter cropping. An alternative is the summer sowing of hard-seeded legumes. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Dr Belinda Hackney to explore the benefits of hard-seeded legumes and their performance during drought conditions. Belinda is a research officer with the Soils Unit in New South Wales DPI. Belinda has over 20 years experience in farming system research in mixed farming and permanent pasture regions. In the last 15 years, much of Belinda's research has focused on improving legume function in pasture systems and in mixed farming systems, increasing nitrogen carryover for cropping systems. Linda has also led research that has identified poor nodulation in pasture systems and factors impacting nodulation across central and southern New South Wales. Belinda is currently involved in a national project. Welcome, Belinda, and thank you for joining the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. To start us off, Belinda, what are the physical characteristics of hard-seeded legumes that make them an ideal alternative to the traditional varieties? So there's a few things. Um, One of the main things is the rooting system and the depth of the root system on some of these plants and how quickly that root system establishes. So with species like Lysarula, Cerradella or arrowleaf clover, they're quite deep-rooted plants and they they put their roots down very quickly once they germinate. And so that gives them great protection against false breaks that are common in late summer and early autumn. And that's where you lose a lot of um, subclover and uh, annual medic seedlings. So that's one characteristic of them. The other thing is um, that also transfers through to spring when you get unreliable spring rainfall. If you've got a deep root system, there's more of the soil profile that that root system is exploring and where it can access moisture. So that enables them to be more reliable in their seed production. And really at the end of the day, um, it's about setting up a a viable seed bank for future regeneration. And the hard-seeded legumes, particularly in tough years, have better capacity to do that and some of the shallower rooted traditional legumes like subclover and the annual medics. The other thing with them is having that root system and having those hard seed characteristics means that there's other options you can use around establishment. So summer sowing, which we'll get onto a bit later in more detail, is one of those. Um, and that just means that you can sow them early, get them up and away, 
Um, and really then it's just uh, a matter of, of how much they grow as to how much nitrogen they fix if they're effectively nodulated. And that gives you more feed for livestock, more nitrogen carryover for your crops and that sort of thing. Having very high levels of hard seed too means that they're very persistent in the seed bank and it gives you opportunity to crop over them for a number of years and have them regenerate without the need for re-sowing. So that reduces input costs um, and also gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of altering your crop to pasture ratio and then therefore your crop to livestock ratio. And the growth rates of them, when you can establish them earlier and they can get established on those warmer conditions in autumn, in early and mid-autumn, as opposed to sowing very late in autumn, also means you get quite high growth rates with them. Those characteristics obviously lead them to being quite drought tolerant and bearing in mind that farmers are coming out of a horrific drought. What are some of the best species or varieties on the market today that have performed well over the last few years during these drought conditions? Mm. So some of the main ones um, that have proved to be really resilient under drought conditions are Bicerula, um, some of the hard seeded French Cheradellas. So you have you have a variation in range of hard seed in the French Cheradellas and the ones that have sort of 50 to 60% hard seed like Margarita and Freno um, have tended to do well. Um, there's a range of varieties within yellow Cheradellas that have also done well. Arrowleaf clover has been good, bladder clover has been good and so has gland clover. So which one of those you choose will depend a bit on your soil characteristics, um, on your climatic zone, your growing season rainfall, and what your intended use is. So you've got to consider all of those things when you're choosing what species and then what variety within species to, to grow. The traditional legumes um, are planted during autumn or sown during autumn and into early winter. What is the ideal time to plant hard seeded legumes? Are they the same? They can be, but they can differ. So with your traditional annual legumes, you have to wait until that danger of false break is over, which is basically from usually around mid to late April onwards. Now, that's a time when you're also competing in the mixed farming zone, you're competing with your winter cropping program. So a lot of the time what will happen is that there's preference given to getting the crops in and the pastures get sown quite late. And if they get sown late, then they're slow to establish. They don't produce a lot of herbage mass um, through winter. They go into spring as quite an immature small plant, so they're more susceptible um, to not being able to produce enough seed um, because, again, they're constrained by their shallow root system uh, and so they don't get that opportunity. Now, you've got two options with your hard-seeded legumes. Generally, when you're getting into these legumes, you first grow them. Um, you're going to be buying scarified seed. So that means that that seed is readily germinable and will come up when you sow it. With these ones, you can tend to go a bit earlier um, when you're sowing scarified seed of the hard-seeded legumes. So you can go into late March and early April generally, um, and they will grow and survive quite well. All of these hard-seeded legumes that we're talking about, you can harvest them on farm with a conventional header, that seed when it comes out of the header is still very hard. Now you've got two options, you can send that off for processing um, to, 
to get that to a high level of germination, or you can look at summer sowing. Now in summer sowing, what you do is you're sowing that seed in mid to late summer, maybe just into early autumn, but preferably in mid to late summer. You're using high temperatures to break that hard seed down. So the fluctuation in temperature helps break it down. Also, if there's some moisture around, that also speeds up that process. So by sowing in summer, you have a pool of that hard seed that's ready to germinate on opening autumn rains. That means it gets up and away early. You've got your pasture sowing done before you move into your winter sowing program. So that splits your labour requirements and just also means that those pastures have a much better opportunity in terms of herbage production and seed production in that year of establishment. There's a lot of benefits to hard-seeded legumes. How would you advise a farmer who would like to give them a go on their property? What's the best way for them to start? So a a nursery approach, having a nursery paddock has been a really successful way um, with farmers that we've worked with in um, getting into these legumes. So with traditional pasture species, you generally, if you have a paddock you want to sow, you have to go and buy that seed. And that's often a a huge cost. And what can happen in that scenario is if the cost is very high, then you've got two options. You either pull back on the area you sow, or often what happens is people will make the decision to still sow that same area, but they'll use a lower seeding rate. And that means you get a less vigorous pasture. Now, if you're um, in this nursery situation with these hard seeded legumes, you've got the benefit of being able to harvest grain seed. So you kind of start to think about them as you would uh, a new variety of wheat that you wanted to get more seed of to sow for the next year. And that's the kind of approach that you use with the, the nursery approach. So it's a really good opportunity for people to get into um, having enough seed on hand of these things that they want to sow. But the other thing too is what, what often happens is people make a decision about what they want to sow, which is not necessarily what they should sow. And the nursery gives you a way to reconcile those two things because you only need to grow five or 10 hectares of these things to get enough seed to sow big areas in the following year. So that's often what we recommend farmers do. Select three or four of these things, put them in in distinct blocks in a clean nursery paddock, have a look at how they grow, choose the one that's gonna be best in your area or ones that are going to be best there might be more than one and it just gives you opportunity in a pretty low cost way to have a good screening program make sure before you commit too much financially um, about which particular ones are going to be best in your situation and then you can harvest that seed and then you're on your way to looking at summer sowing and getting these things going across large areas of your farm. One of the main benefits of legumes is their ability to fix nitrogen in the soil. Could you share with us the importance of inoculation for nodule development? Yes, yeah, so it is, it's critically important that your legumes are well nodulated. And a lot of the time people make the assumption that just because they're growing a legume, they're fixing nitrogen. And that's not necessarily the case. You need to have your legume nodulate or, or form nodules with the right strain of bacteria and you need to have conditions that are conducive for that to happen. So it's really important that um, things such as you you look at matching the plants that you're going to grow uh, and the strain of rhizobia that that plant needs with your soil conditions. So things like acidity, nutrient deficiencies um, and those kind of things 
herbicide residues can impact how effective that nodulation process is. If you get nodulation working correctly for you, then the legume will fix somewhere between 20 and 30 kilos of nitrogen per tonne of herbage that it produces. So in the drought years of the last couple of years, we've seen the hard seeded legumes under summer sowing conditions produce between four and eight tonnes of herbage. So that's somewhere between, um, you know, in round figures, uh, you know, somewhere between um, uh, 80 and 240 kilos of nitrogen potentially that they are put into the soil, which is then available to either other pasture components or to following crops in the rotation. If you don't get nodulation right, then the legumes will just utilise soil nitrogen rather than building it. So basically what you have, if you have an, unnod an unnodulated legume, is a really fancy looking piece of grass. Right. We've covered just then the um, ability to sow these legumes in summer. With sowing them earlier than what we would do with traditional environments, how do we keep the rhizobium alive if the weather becomes really hot and dry on us in certain parts of New South Wales? Hmm. So in the regenerating pastures, most, um, most uh, rhizobia strains that are used in commercial inoculants these days have something called saprophytic competence. And that means they're able to survive in the rhizosphere in the absence of the host plant. So they feed on um, nutrients that are available in that plant rhizosphere or in that soil rhizosphere. Now, in terms of establishing your new pastures, you always want to inoculate your legumes um, because it's, it's just good practice to do that. It's like vaccinating your lambs or vaccinating your calves. It's just something that you should do. It's in the scheme of things, the cost of doing it is small compared to um, the financial impact of not doing it and having a nodulation failure. So when you're sowing in summer, that is under pretty adverse conditions a lot of the time, particularly in the mixed farming zone. So your soil temperatures can get you know, up to 60 or 70 degrees or more sometimes on the soil surface. When we're summer sown um, our trials, we're using a dry granule product there and basically it's a bentonite clay product. And if you um, think around, uh, think about clay mineralogy, what you've essentially got, it's like a ream of paper when you look in fine detail at a clay. So you have layer on layer on layer. So as that dries down, the rhizobia can actually survive in between the clay layers of the inoculant. That's how that, that particular product's manufactured. And that seems to give them um, enough moisture availability when they're sown in summer to survive. Now, a similar thing happens in a regenerating pasture when you you know, from year to year for your for your pastures. So basically you get better survival of rhizobia where you have a higher clay content in the soil because it's the same kind of principle. So as the soil dries down, the rhizobia tend to be able to survive in between those clay layers because even though it may seem dry, there's actually a certain amount of moisture in there that helps keep them going and they continue to feed on nutrients that are available to them. So basically you just want to make sure if you're summer sowing, whatever kind of inoculation strategy that you use for your legumes, it's something that's going to deliver reasonably high numbers of viable rhizobia um, 
and have them available to that plant or to that seed when it germinates. With the effects of the drought have been felt across our state, in your trial work, how have the hard-seeded legumes performed under these conditions? Well, they've performed quite well. We actually thought we had given these legumes um, a pretty good test in the millennium drought that the last couple of years proved to be much tougher than anything um, that we had envisaged. Um, doing trial work under those kind of conditions is pretty challenging. But we were incredibly surprised at how well they did do. So in the webinar that I presented today, there was um, an example in that of one of our trial sites from last year. Um, and some of these hard seeded, or I guess the, the range of production of hard seeded legumes when they were, when they were sown as a summer sow treatment, um, peak herbage production ranged from four to about eight and a half tonnes of dry matter per hectare. Now, subclover by comparison was producing less than a tonne um, in that growing season. So they've definitely got uh, a lot of capacity um, and a lot of will to live and ability to produce very useful amounts of herbage and herbage of reasonably high quality um, under some, some very harsh conditions. And that also translated into seed production as well. So they were able to produce sufficient amounts of seed um, to enable regeneration in subsequent years. Whereas with our traditional legume plots, you would have been looking at having to re-sow those because we had very low levels of seed production and not enough seed produced to sustain ongoing regeneration. That's a great result with the climate being as challenging as it has been over the last few years. Producers are after something that's going to be more resilient for them. When we look at animal performance, it's not just the quantity that's being produced, but the quality. Have you seen any effects or done any modelling on animal performance in your trial work to see how it crosses over to them? Yeah, so we did, um, when we were um, doing our herbage assessments, we also took some grab samples for herbage quality at those times. And then we used GrazFeed to model what kind of live weight gains we would expect to see uh, in wiener um, merinos. What we got out of that was with um, basically all of the uh, hard seeded legumes at the end of winter, you were looking at growth rates over 300 grams per head per day or potential growth rates over 300 grams per head per day and some edged up over 400. With the subclover, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the quality of the subclover, but the predicted livestock production was less than 100 grams per head per day, which was just basically a function of not having enough herbage available. And so that's the difference. There's really not that much difference in the herbage quality of these things compared to the traditional pastures that you're working with. It's just their capacity to produce more feed under adverse conditions and that that's what drives the differences in potential livestock production. And one thing I should say too is with the indeterminate growing species, so French Cerradella and Vicerula, basically by being indeterminate, that means that they can continue to grow and put on green leaf and set seed while ever there's moisture available for them to do so. So they've got those deep root systems. Arrowleaf clover's got the deep root system too. It's not as indeterminate as them. 
but basically that means that you can effectively extend that growing season and that that um, period of the growing season where you've got fresh green feed available, which is always going to be of higher quality than something that has senesced and, and fully died off. So they have performed exceptionally well given the very trying conditions that they were growing under. The performance of these legumes under fairly unprecedented conditions is really quite remarkable. Looking now in 2020, how are they performing after such a huge challenge in the previous years? Mm. So we've, we've um, been around and done our regeneration counts and um, are just about to start doing herbage assessments on regeneration um, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I've got to say, despite the fact that they produce less seed than what they have in you know, reasonable years, they still, all, all of the hard-seeded legumes still produced uh, enough seed to support um, good, strong regeneration. And the regeneration we've seen this year has been um, probably some of the best we've ever seen uh, and quite remarkable, really, given the conditions that they grew under last year. So um, they're at at least 70% ground cover now. Some of the um, Cerigella and Biosterula is basically at 100% ground cover. Um, I did do some measurements on one trial the other day and we're looking at around um, one and a half tonnes of dry matter per hectare available on those now. So that was you know, a mid-April assessment following um, a, a late February, early germination. So they've done uh, incredibly well. Their ability to be so persistent is wonderful. How does that hold true when we look at them when they're in rotation? Yeah, so that's where the hard seed characteristics of these things comes into play. And so once you've got um, a seed bank established, you can crop over them um, and have them regenerate following the cropping phase without having to re-sow. Now, the length of the cropping phase that you can put over them varies with species. So Bicerula has the highest hard level, uh, the highest level of hard seed um, of all of these legumes that we're working with, and it is the most persistent in the seed bank. So on commercial farms, we're seeing it um, come back very successfully with a one in four year seed set. So it only gets to set seed once every four years. And in some instances, that's been longer. Um, so it's got incredible capacity for survival in a cropping phase or following a cropping phase and coming back without the need to re-sow. Things like arrow leaf, um, bladder clover and gland clover, um, they suit more in a one-to-one -one rotation or you may be, you know, you can, you can use them also in a two-crop, one-year pasture rotation. Uh, and they have survived longer too, but they have less hard seed in them. Um, and so a, a slightly shorter cropping period is probably going to be best for those long-term. And this is just generalising across different regions. It's going to vary depending on how much sort of summer moisture you have, because that drives a lot of hard seed breakdown. So there's still some work to be done in that area. Things like French Cerradella, the hard-seeded French Cerradellas, and again, it's really important here to know what variety you're working with. So we're talking about the hard-seeded Frenches here, so Margarita, Freno, those kind of ones. They go best generally in a one-to-one -one type of rotation. 
Um, and then yellow cerradella, there's a, quite a bit of variation in hard seed levels in the yellow cerradella varieties too. So it varies with the variety that you're working with, but they tend to have more hard seed than French cerradella, um, but less than Vicerula. So they, they fit somewhere in that realm, but it's generally depending on what species you're working with, you can either go um, anything from a one-to-one -one rotation out to a one-year pasture, four-year crop rotation. Um, we're pretty confident in those kind of intervals across that range of species. And so the beauty of that is once you've got that seed bank established, you can start to alter quite quickly your crop pasture ratio on farm. So say, for example, if you'd envisaged, if you had a seed bank of those things sitting there last year and you had... Um, you know, you had an inkling of what was in store for you last year rather than spend a lot of money putting a crop in. You could have pulled out of that paddock, let those regenerate. You've got a useful pasture there. You haven't had a massive input cost in terms of putting a crop in in a high risk year to do that. So you've got options where you still get a ground cover, you get useful feed, you grow that nitrogen, you utilise that nitrogen in your next cropping phase. So that gives you that flexibility with crop to pasture ratio and then that gives you flexibility in your crop to livestock ratio that you have on farm. So it just helps, just helps lower that risk profile overall. Thanks, Linda. It must have been really rewarding working over the last few years with these species of legumes. It's quite amazing how resilient they've been during the drought, as well as their ability to regenerate so well in 2020 coming out of the drought. They certainly offer farmers a serious alternative to traditional varieties of legumes. So I'd like to say thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. No, thank you. And look, I would just like to acknowledge um, also where these legumes were developed and that's been um, a, a relatively long um, period of work that's been um, done exceptionally well by a group of scientists in predominantly in Western Australia um, working at Murdoch University and the um, Department of Agriculture so people like John Howison, Ron Yates, Brad Nutt and Angelo Loy have really driven the development of these legumes um, and also the rhizobia that enable them to effectively fix nitrogen, but they've also been the ones who have really spearheaded the development of the rotation systems to incorporate them into farming systems. And I should say too, um, this project is funded through the Rural Research and Development Profit Initiative, and there's been um, funding come from AWI, GRDC and MLA, and it's a national project It's covering um, Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria and New South Wales and um, it's, a, it's a really nice program of work that's um, been all of the components get put together into you know, a whole farm system type of approach to hopefully improve a lot of farmers and um, give them options that give them a bit more flexibility and, and reliability. hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Australian Wool Innovation podcast, The Yarn. We have just launched our latest promotion to keep you up to date. 
To enter, simply join our network on www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com, subscribe to our podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and like, share and tag three friends on the promotional post on our Facebook page. Competition runs till the end of April. All entries will go into the draw to win a $200 Wool Arena gift voucher. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining today's podcast. Bye for now.